You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to you, everybody, and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Good to see you there, my friend. How are you? Doing well this morning. How you doing? I'm hanging in there over here. You know what it's like, brother. Every day. Every day. I was just telling somebody uh, a little while ago, I'm like, I, 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 each, I just take it one day at a time. You know, it's all you can really do. That's it. How was your week? It was good. It was good. And I actually had a couple common clients come in contact when they all had kind of the same dilemma, which was in relation to their marriage and oh. potentially looking at separation, divorce and all that. And just asking questions oh. about what's going to happen to the house, what's going to happen oh. to the mortgage. How do we handle that? So I thought it'd be great this week to tackle that topic on uh, mortgages and real estate when it comes to divorce. Boy, that's such a that's a, a sad topic. Yeah, you sure? Is that, are you sure you want to go there? I do. It's right. a common topic, so it's needed. Yeah, I guess you, we got to listen. You got to discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, right? You got to discuss everything. Good times and happy times and sad mm-hmm. times. All right, so uh, then let's get into it. What are some uh, What are some different mortgage strategies then that people are are getting divorced? Uh, they maybe they can utilize. Sure. So. There's a lot of different divorce mortgage options, and a common question going along with what you said is, you know, what happens to your mortgage? What happens to your house mm. when you're going through a divorce? So a couple different strategies and options that you'd have is, number one, is one of the spouses would do a rate and term refinance, so they would just refinance the house from both people's names into one of the spouse's names. That would get the other spouse off the mortgage and off of the title. So that's one option. And and eliminate the responsibility. Eliminate that responsibility. It would uh, zero it out on their credit report because the refinance mortgage would go to zero and then the new mortgage would be on whichever spouse took over his credit report. So that's option number one. That's obviously the simplest option. The next one's going to be a divorce mortgage buyout. Really, really common because when you're going through a divorce, it's Uh, It's normal that one of the spouses is going to need to buy the other out, right? There's going to be money that's going to need to be exchanged. And home equity is one of the biggest sources of wealth uh, in society and, of course, in a marriage because majority of divorces do involve real estate and they do involve a mortgage. So what that's going to entail is one of the spouses keeping the house, like we said a minute ago, but then also taking a portion of equity out of the house, and giving that to the other spouse to buy them out of their interest in the house. And it could be anywhere from a few thousand dollars to several hundred thousand dollars um, that would be owed. And then whichever spouse stays on the house, stays on the new mortgage, they're obviously going to be responsible for that new mortgage, that new obligation. So that's a really common strategy that's used. Uh, Next one is going to be to sell the property and then split the proceeds. So you know, typical, you'll find a realtor or list the property, you'll sell it to the highest bidder or to the best buyer. And then the money that's coming back to you after the closing and after the mortgage or any liens are paid off, that'll be split between the spouses. Usually it's 50-50. 
that they would split that. Could be different, but that's normal. And then the last one that I'll delve into here is it's one of my favorite strategies, which is a divorce buyout consolidation. So it actually would be the divorce buyout we were talking about a second ago. But on top of that, we would also consolidate debt as well. So it would be really three prongs. You got the divorce, the refinance, then you've got the buyout where we're cashing equity out to buy out a spouse. And then last but not least, we're taking the marital debt you know, maybe it's car loans, student loans, credit card debt, medical bills. And we're also rolling all that into the new mortgage as well to where that one spouse takes that over. Usually it's going to be the spouse that's more well off, has a better job, that sort of thing. So you're starting to see here, there's a lot of different options when it comes to financing and mortgages when it comes to divorce. Wow, there certainly are. Did you say that there was one more popular than than the other? I thought you said... I would say the most popular would be the divorce buyout because nine out of 10 times from my experience, there is going to be some equity that's owed or some money that's owed. People don't want to cash out 401ks. They don't want to take money out of the stock market or other investments. So the home equity, the money that's just been sitting there dormant is a common area where we'll pull the money to accomplish that buyout with a minimal impact on cash flow as well. I would imagine a buyout is a lot better than just walking away from it. You know, if, if, somebody just, if somebody just says, you know, you're, I'm absolving you, take off. Um. Every circumstance is different with divorce. It all happened. It, it's really comes down to why is the divorce happening? You know, who's at fault, so to speak? And I would say that, you know, the spouse that's maybe more well off, has more money, is usually going to buy out the other spouse. It can be the other way around, but that's pretty typical. Um, it's very rare that I've seen a just a rate and term refi where one spouse just takes over and the other leaves. No money exchange, no nothing. That's rare. What if there was only one name on the mortgage to begin with? Maybe, well, let's say somebody already owned the house. Sure. Uh, prior Happens to, prior all the time. The, uh, then marriage. it would come down to, again, is there any money owed at all. Maybe mm. it's not from the mortgage or from the real estate, but maybe you owe money from your 401k or other investments that were made during the marriage. Where's that money going to come from? But as far as if only one spouse was on the mortgage, then we wouldn't need to necessarily refinance. Okay. Uh, it would more be just doing like a quick claim deed to take the other spouse maybe off the title of the home if they were on the home. If both spouses were not on the home and or the mortgage, then sometimes you don't need to mess with this at all. But again, that's very rare. Sure. So then at what point should a future divorcee uh, get in touch with a mortgage advisor? This is a really touchy topic because a lot of people wait. Uh, as we'll discuss, they wait until the last minute. They don't really know. Are we getting divorced? Is this just a blip in time where things aren't going well? Maybe we can get counseling and get over this. The answer is you want to get with a mortgage advisor ASAP, like as soon as you think there might even be a potential of a separation and or divorce scenario, you want to get with the mortgage advisor very early in the process, if nothing else, just to bounce some ideas off of them, just to get some of, uh, you know, some information about what you may or may not be able to do when it comes to your equity and your real estate. You really do want to seek out an advisor because as we've talked about in previous shows, if you just go to a regular bank LO loan officer or credit union guy that does mortgages and you say that I'm getting divorced, well, they are just, they're an order taker. Okay, what are you trying to do? There's no real advice there. There's no real strategy. So this is one of those scenarios, Gary, where you want to seek out a true expert, a true mortgage professional, an advisor, somebody with credentials. There's actually a special... Uh, a special divorce mortgage license that you can get or certification, um, a divorce mortgage advisor 
that you can seek out or someone, again, with the experience to be able to do that sort of thing. So that's very important. And I would really look at it as the trigger being the same timeline that you'd start a dialogue with a divorce attorney or a mediator, someone like that. That's also maybe even a little bit before you call them, you want to talk to the mortgage advisor uh, to be able to get the game plan in play when it comes to your finances, because that's probably the number one uh, issue that comes up when it comes to divorce is finances. Where's the money going, the equity, the real estate? What about some additional documents? Are there any more documents that mm -hmm. may be needed when working on getting a mortgage uh, during a divorce or even a separation? There are some additional documents. So depending on the circumstance, sometimes, and if you're just starting the process or the light bulb just went off that, hey, divorce may be imminent, at that point, there aren't going to be any documents because you don't have any agreements set up yet, right? But if you are like many who don't approach a mortgage advisor until you're in the process of that divorce or starting that process, then you will want to have like a separation agreement is typically the first thing that's going to be prepared. It's going to entail child support, alimony, money that's owed, things like that on the separation agreement. And then the divorce decree is the finalization of that process. So usually you're going to start with a separation agreement and then a divorce decree is going to be later in the process to finalize it. So if you already have that divorce attorney involved, they're going to help you to craft those documents. You're going to want to get those to your mortgage advisor as early as you can in the process because that's going to show us what are the stipulations of this divorce. What is the agreement you have? It's going to entail how much time time you have to either refinance or sell the house, how much money is owed and that sort of thing. And that's all going to come into play when we reverse engineer that strategy for you. Like I said, everybody is going to be in a different spot. So it's not a one size fits all. What, what, what works for one couple is not going to work for another. Couple. Never. It's never one size fits all. How can a proper mortgage strategy then, how, how can the strategy play a role in a more agreeable divorce settlement, settlement and agreement? Yeah. I mean, that's what that would be ideal, right? It is. And that's why, like we said, getting with an advisor as soon as possible is important because then you can put that mortgage strategy in play and it just creates a much more cohesive environment when you're going through the divorce with both spouses. So sometimes a mortgage can get the funds for you that you need for to buy out the other spouse, consolidate debt, do those sort of things without needing to sell the house. And I think that's important because a lot of people think that if I'm in the process of getting a divorce, well, we got to sell the house because I we've been paying the mortgage on two incomes. There's no way we can do it on one. That's not always the case, though. So it can really stop you from needing to sell the house at a time that may not be good. Like the real estate market ebbs and flows. You know, we've talked about seasonality. Mm -hmm. There's ups and downs with interest rates and different things. So if it's a bad time in the market, you may not want to sell your home. Well, a mortgage can be the solution to that. We can refinance or put another mortgage on your home. So now you don't have to sell right away. Maybe you can do that buyout and take care of the financial part of the divorce without needing to sell. Then you sit there and wait. And then maybe a few years down the line, six months, a year, couple years, then we can move forward with actually selling the home when it's a better time to sell, right? You don't want to do it at a time that's just based on emotion. You want to do it at a time that financially makes sense. The other place that a great mortgage advisor and a great mortgage strategy can come into play, and this is one that a lot of people don't think about, is the divorce attorney cohesively working with the mortgage advisor as a team. You know, we've talked about the wealth team and those right. are two <laughs> items we've talked about, the First mortgage advisor and the attorney. So this is one of those specialized attorneys, a divorce attorney, someone that handles this. We want the divorce attorney to be really 
in communication regularly with the mortgage advisor to work together, okay? To make sure that everything that needs to be done as part of that divorce or separation agreement is being accomplished with that mortgage refinance or that new loan. So they can work together to craft the best scenario and the best strategy to accomplish all those stipulations just makes it much less stressful for anyone. Divorce is so stressful. You know, even when it's amicable, it's still stressful. A lot of time there's children involved and schools and like I said, selling, buying, all these different things. Let's make a pact with the mortgage advisor and real or excuse me, mortgage advisor and divorce attorney to make sure that those goals are being accomplished. Then it just has a huge weight off your shoulders. Well, as a as a mortgage advisor, you've you've worked with uh, divorce attorneys, right? All and, the time. And you can it's is it like night and day? You can tell a difference with working with a client who's working with uh, the both of you uh, in a co as a cohesive team and those who choose yeah, it, not to. Yeah, it does. It eliminates a lot of miscommunication. Right. It eliminates a lot of back and forth, much like a mortgage advisor working with a real estate professional, realtor, or a mortgage advisor working with a CPA. Like When we are able to communicate directly it gets rid of the middleman. Otherwise, we're going and talking to you. Then you're going to your divorce attorney, talking to your financial advisor, all these different things. And it's like the game telephone, right? Things happen, things get miscommunicated. It's a lot of extra work. So that's why that lower stress is there because when we're dealing directly with them, we're getting answers, there's emails going back and forth, text messages, phone calls. We can leave the divorcee out of it for a minute and let the professionals handle it. Okay. All right. So then uh, how can not tackling money issues in a, in a marriage foreshadow like a future problem? This is big because uh, the number one reason for divorce, most people know, is money. That is the absolute number one reason that people get divorced. Of course, there's other reasons, but that's the number one. That's the majority. So what I found working with a lot of uh, people getting divorced over the years is that a lot of the time when money is the issue, it's not all of a sudden we're getting divorced and money's a problem. It's slowly it creeps up over the years. And what that comes down to is communication in the marriage over time. Uh, people not communicating about money. One spouse is spending more than the other. One spouse is saving more than the other. Um, it can create a lot of strife. It can create a lot of tension in the marriage. So if money's not being discussed transparently during the marriage, it can really, you know, foreshadow that future problem. And you know that the divorce is going to be eminent a lot of the time when there's really no communication when it comes to that. And it makes it a lot more difficult to do the divorce because there's not a lot of information out there. Like this, you know, you don't know how much the other spouse has. What do they make? What do they have in savings? 401k, retirement, what other assets do they have? Real estate. Well, if you aren't talking about that on an ongoing basis with your spouse, it's going to really foreshadow that future issue when it comes to that. The other thing is the animosity wow. during a divorce. Sometimes it's not there, but usually it is. Mm. And a lot of the reason that I've seen the animosity during a divorce scenario has to do with, you know, distrust for the other spouse. Is there money being hidden somewhere that we didn't know about? Is there, you know, other things going on that weren't we weren't aware of when it comes to money? Assets, real estate, other things. A lot of the time, it's like one of the spouses is spending and not advising the other. They're doing investments and things and not talking to the other. So there's like one spouse feels like they have the leg up over the other. That's not a good situation to be in in a divorce because it just like a bully in school. It really, you know, you get your blood boiling, right? You really want to like have Adam. And we don't want there to be that animosity and that 
distrust because it can make it a lot more difficult. And if you don't know the other person's views on money and regarding finances, it can make the divorce process more difficult and more intrusive mm. because now there's a lot more asset discovery and things. Oh, I didn't know you own that house. I didn't know you had that car. I didn't know you had all these things. Now it's like, let's have Adam. The divorce attorneys have a field day with that. So I think the moral of, of the answer is communicate about finances during your marriage, good, bad, or indifferent. A marriage is like a business. It's a team. It's a partnership. You need to be communicating on an ongoing basis. Me and my wife, we talk every week about finances, you know, bills that have to get paid, money coming in, money going out, trips we want to take, assets we want to buy. It's being discussed on an ongoing basis because we need to. And we actually have a, 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 a like personal and we only started it recently, but it's like almost a... Um, Something that we do every week, you know, like a tradition now. Every Friday night, we sit down, have a glass of wine or a beer together and talk about the week. And really, we hone in on money issues, personal issues, things that happened at work, things that, that we have to really get down to and figure out. And when we don't do that, it builds up and then blows up, right? Something just happens and there's a big argument. Well, I found on a personal, on the personal side, by having that weekly meeting or at least, you know, every other week, but something consistent, mm -hmm. a tradition that you can almost have with your spouse, it allows everyone to kind of step back and the, the tension isn't there. We can talk about good, bad, or indifferent, what's going on in our lives, what's going on with the family finances, and make sure that everyone's on the same page. And if we're not, we can tackle that in an environment where there's not really a lot of judgment. And that's what it's there for. You you know, I, I just you you said something a moment ago, and I, and I really I've been thinking about it ever since about you know working with your your wealth team and and talk about the different members of the wealth team and how they can work together in the divorce scenario. Right. So we already kind of touched on the mortgage advisor right, right, dealing right. with the divorce attorney. That's yeah. the no brainer, okay. right? Of course, that's going to happen. But especially if you have investments and other assets that need to be discussed. We're going to want to loop in your CPA, your tax advisor into that as well, because buying, selling, refinancing homes and disposing of assets, there's tax implications to sure. all of that. And we need to understand those. You need to understand those. Sometimes the timing can be a huge differential. Maybe if we waited until the next year to dispose of an asset, it would give you more favorable taxation. If we don't have your CPA or tax advisor involved, you can make a huge mistake and end up costing yourself thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in taxes. So that's a huge one. Yeah. The other thing is the investment advisor, your financial advisor, financial planner, whoever you are dealing with to help advise you on your assets and investments, we want to loop them in as well into the process. And if you listen to the episode about the wealth team, we talk about, you know, the mortgage advisor kind of quarterbacking the wealth team and these other members chiming in and being in communication. And you as a as a homeowner, as a consumer that's getting divorced, you need to really loop all the people in that need to be there. Because if you've got the wealth team, not everyone does, you're going to know who needs to be involved in this. Should we get my financial planner, the tax advisor, the mortgage advisor, the real estate agent? Who needs to be here? And there needs to be that discussion where we can all be in communication together. Again, sometimes it's with that person on the line. Sometimes it's direct communication. That's going to make sure that you are going to make the best financial decisions when 
when it comes to divorce. Unfortunately, if not, it's an emotional process and you can wind up owing a lot of money or making some bad moves. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. Folks, you are listening to the Mortgage Matters radio show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can contact Rob uh, at 860-413-3938 towards the end of the show. Uh, I'll make sure I repeat that phone number as well as uh, website and uh, email address as well. Uh, can you give some examples of uh, divorce scenarios and the resolutions that have been achieved by using the mortgage a- as a financial tool? Definitely. Well, I deal with divorce a lot because it's a common reason people buy, sell, and refinance properties. But a couple quick stories that I could tell you is, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a young couple come to me probably five, six years ago now. Um, just buying their first home. And they came to me and we did a 30-year mortgage and everything was going great. Well, about a year later, we did their annual review and they were doing phenomenal. They had just had their first baby at that point. They had the house. It was going good. We went and took them from a 30-year mortgage to a 15-year mortgage at that point. They were in their 20s. It was like, oh my God, their house was going to be paid off before they were 50 years old. It was phenomenal. On paper, it looked great. Well, about eight months into that, the husband found the wife cheating on him with a coworker. Okay. It was horrible. You know, he was uh, mentally not in a good place. Um, he contacted me and said, Rob, you know, it was great. We were paying off the house and things were going great. Now we're getting divorced and I have to pay her $10,000. You know, they came up with a resolution, $10,000. It wasn't a ridiculous amount of money. She they cheated o- on him and he had to pay her yeah, $10,000. Yeah, because they had both been paying the mortgage. And this was a scenario where they didn't have an attorney involved. It was, I don't want to say it was amicable because there was cheating, but it was kind of like they both just said, all right, we're parting ways. And he he needed to give her the $10,000. So in that case, this gentleman who made less than his wife, his wife was in the medical field. He was just like a, di- a 911 dispatcher or something. So he made a lot less money than her. We had to take that 15-year mortgage and put him back onto a 30-year mortgage. We did the $10,000 buyout, so she was bought out. And in that circumstance, he was actually able to lower his mortgage payment from what it was on the 15-year mortgage. After we took him back to the 30 and did the buyout, his mortgage went down by like 300 bucks a month. For him, that was great. He was able to keep the house. He didn't have to worry about his finances. The payment went down. And he was worried when he came to me that, hey, what am I going to do? We're going to have to sell this house. We've only lived here like two years, you know, what are we going to do? And we were able to make that possible. Um, So that's one scenario to show you kind of how the things come together. And this is someone that I worked with over the years. So I knew their scenario. I knew their personal circumstance and we were able to customize the mortgage plan to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was really important. Another one was a lady that came to me from Windsor. Actually, she had her mortgage almost paid off. She had five years left to pay on her mortgage. And we had a dialogue going for several years about some different refinancing options stuff. And she contacted me kind of in a panic and said, Rob, you know, this divorce is happening. Like it is going on and I don't know what to do because I only have five years left on the house, but I owe my spouse. It was all this money. It was like 40 or $50,000 that she had owed him at that point. Um, And they did have a divorce attorney involved. And I reviewed the divorce decree and everything. And, um, you know, I spoke with the divorce lawyer and we came up with the strategy. So in her case, we took her from five years back to a 15 year mortgage. We did the $40,000 buyout of the ex. The other cool part was we took all this marital debt. They had like 40 or 50,000 in marital debt. We rolled that into the new mortgage as well. And when you factored in the debt payments and everything, she she saved 
Well, no, he didn't owe her any money, but she was saving over $1,000 a month. So the reason I say that is because a lot of people look at a divorce as a financial death sentence, and it really can actually save you money if you do it the right way. What about some major mistakes that people make when deciding on, you know, what direction to take with your mortgage and and real estate? And, and, And this is in relation to divorce. Sure. So I think that the biggest mistake people make is they do it emotionally. So something comes up with the Mm. divorce, the adrenaline's high, and then it's like, oh, we got to sell the house. We got to do this. And it's like, wait a second, step back, get some advice, get professionals involved. That's the mistake I see people doing is they don't do that. They kind of take it into their own hands. They make decisions or start proposing things to the other spouse when they haven't even gotten professional advice. That's a big issue. And then who are you getting advice from? It needs to be pros. It can't be your friends and family. And unfortunately, that's who people lean on, right, for emotional support in these scenarios. They're talking to their parents, grandparents, sisters, uncles, et cetera. And next thing you know, they're getting you know, advice on finances and divorce from someone that maybe has no expertise in that. That's a huge issue, a huge red flag that I see people do. The other thing is getting things in writing. When you are contemplating divorce, there's legal things involved here. And we all know when it's just a verbal agreement, it doesn't hold up in court. So even in the cases where there's not a divorce attorney involved, like very early in the process, start making records and, you know, record keeping, creating agreements that can be signed that will hold up so that when it comes back later, six months, a year, something happens and you need to reference what was said, what was done, you have that in writing. So that's a huge mistake. People make, oh yeah, I talked to my spouse and they said they'd take five grand. Well, they said doesn't hold up. We need it in writing. And then the last thing that I'll say as far as major mistakes is people think they have to spend tons of money and the divorce is gonna cost tons of money. Sometimes it does, if it's done right though and you do it in the right order at the right time, and you would get the advice at the right point, then it doesn't need to be a very costly situation. You sometimes don't even need an attorney. Oh, let me just squeeze one more question. I know we're just about at the end of the show, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, well, I don't know, what do you think would be the top tips that you would give someone who is contemplating divorce in the near future. Yeah, I think the top tip is that if it's anywhere on your radar that you're getting divorced in the next couple months or even year, get with a mortgage advisor early, find out what your options are. All you have to do is reach out to us and say, hey, I'm thinking this might happen. What are my options? What could I do? How much equity do I have available? Those sort of questions we can you know, really flesh out so you know before you even approach your spouse or before you get too far into the process, you know financially what's feasible because otherwise you may go and talk to them and come up with an agreement that's not even realistic. And then that's hard. Then you got to resell them on, oh, well, I talked to the advisor and he said we couldn't do this or that. Like, Come to us early. Come to us quickly. Let us cut customize that strategy to you before you get too far into the process. That is the number one top tip that you could do when you're contemplating divorce and get those ducks in a row early, have the game plan in place with an ideal outcome so that you can then have a clear head when it comes to getting all this stuff. Generally speaking, how long would that take? I mean, we're talking about being able to get a consultation done in less than 24, 48 hours in most cases. So we'd have that fact-finding call, I'd get some information on you, or have you fill out one of my online questionnaires, then we'd get on the phone and design a strategy, get some more questions answered. So it doesn't take long, a day or two, we could have this all figured out. Folks, if you'd like more information, I strongly suggest to check out the website for Mortgage Matters. It's www.ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. 
ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. Again, it's real easy online at ConnecticutMortgageLending.com. If you'd like to send an email to Rob, that's easy to do as well. Simply email MortgageMattersRadioShow at gmail.com. Wow, that is easy. MortgageMattersRadioShow at gmail.com. And you just mentioned scheduling a consultation. Well, if we can get something scheduled in 24 to 48 hours, that would be ideal for some people that may be listening to the show. It's also easy to do. Write this phone number down, 860-413-3938. I'll repeat that one more time for you, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.